This week's episode is brought to you by the Film Rescue Show. The Film Rescue Show is a long-form podcast in which their crew and a guest fix a film every week. Want a good first episode? Check out episode 89 with Axel and myself, where he pitched fixes for the League of Extraordinary Drummond. Still waiting on that call, Warner Brothers. For fans of filmmaking, writing, and behind-the-scenes content, check out the Film Rescue Show on all your favorite podcasting sites today. Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this, The Darkest Timeline. I'm Axel Wright, and with me as always is... Lord Commander Ulrich. And how are you doing today, Lord Commander Ulrich? I am back to the stir-crazy cycle of my back injury. Are you still dealing with that? I mean... Oh, fuck yeah. So, brief catch-up, it was getting better, and then my works insurance canceled the thing that was making me better... And then I started getting worse, and I had to start the process over again. Ah, oh, that sucks. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, and basically, the upside of it is because it's a back injury, I'm extremely limited in what I can do, Yeah, which means I'm trapped at home a lot, and it's making me go fucking insane because I do not do well with an abundant, without lack of structure. I, I believe that, certainly. So yeah, that's what's I'm, I've circled back around to. Oh, this free time is fun, and now I'm circling back into I'm going slowly crazy. I don't have structure anymore. Fuck, I need to make structure. Yeah, I I don't know how to help with that because I know that I, I understand that like medically speaking, you should just chill the fuck out. But that's hard to make yourself do sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I've talked about it multiple times on this podcast, but I call it my Teutonic brain, and it's like, well, you need to be doing something. And eventually I hit a wall of there's only so much some things I can actively be doing. And sometimes I'll get like, well, I'm just going to, you know, go out and enjoy the nice weather. My back's like, the fuck you are. 20 <laughs> minutes of upright movement? I don't think so. Get uh, your ass back down. Yeah, you know, funny thing, somewhat related, I finally got a doctor's appointment scheduled. I'm going to see a doctor in about three days just for standard checkup stuff we're, have, we're in our 30s we really should be doing standard checkups exactly plus i have a, a handful of actually like i've had a bad knee for about i don't know six years something like that and my last doctor because i was seeing a doctor for a while he had you know poked and prodded at it a bit and then was like hey you probably got a chip of bone there's really nothing we could do about it and i just let that go i told my current girlfriend that story and she's dealt with a lot of doctors so she looked at me and went he didn't order imaging of any kind he sucks. If your next doctor doesn't order imaging any time, any kind, I'm gonna stomp down there and demand it. Oh, there you get into the whole age and gender bias, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, my my point simply that I have a bad knee. It's been getting worse, and I I need a doctor. I think to take a look at it proper. Fingers crossed Again, about that. Functioning, healthy adult society, we'd all be doing regular checkups, and it wouldn't be this big to do. But darkest timeline, folks. Yeah. Anyway. Before we get into our topic proper, I get the privilege of talking about our illustrious legion, another name for our patrons, the ones who actually give some some coin to us every month to help support what we do. And the least we can do to to honor them is to say their names out loud. And the list I have in front of me is Pam Galley, Marquis, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, Arthur Crane, Kevin Vay, Brennan Agnew, John Vinnels, Kit Kenny, Seth Decker, Donald Lucy, 
Patrick Anderson, Carson Amell, Scott Rubin, Derek Takade, and Peter Cook. Now, if you'd like to join the Illustrious Legion, so have your name added to that list where either Ulrich or I will say it, depending on the type of show we're doing, then you can just go on over to our Patreon, Patreon slash Geek with Shields. A dollar a month. That We put out like four or more episodes a month basically every month so that's 25 cents an episode or less depending on how you look at it and it goes a long way towards helping us so the topic that i'm aware of that ulrich told me because a little peek behind the curtain we do like little conversation usually the day before about what we're going to talk about is we're talking about for lack of a term darkness in fiction and what does it serve does it make things better is there inherent use of it you know wherever the conversation goes but this was ulrich's idea so why don't you, what were you thinking specifically? Well, firstly, I'm glad you reminded me because I leaned over, took a sip of my drink and completely forgot the topic. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> he remembers what we're talking about because I forgot. Yep. Well, I got it. So uh, interestingly enough, this first came about when I was listening to someone talk about the boys, not the series, the comic it's based off of mm. and how at the time it was hailed as this. Yeah really impressive really good comic but with age it's just kind of become oh that's just edgelord bullshit and it sucks you know i do think there's an interesting fine line between edgelord and darkness that is because there are media that are very dark that i think are very good and that darkness is part of their goodness conversely Mm -hmm. there's the opposite where there's media and the darkness makes it feel juvenile i talked We've talked multiple times about how, at least in my opinion, and I think Ulrich agrees with me, a lot of the problem with 90s comics and that cliche of, like, 90s comics are terrible is because there was this obsession with everything has to be dark because dark equals adult, but the effect made it feel way more juvenile than otherwise. Well, it was juvenile, is yes. If your character kills someone in a setting where people don't usually kill people, that can be dark and profound and important. But when that's all there is to the character, it becomes immediately very childish and dull. And there's also... Or, or specifically... Yes, yes. But also, I think specifically, it's if that darkness feels inorganic. Feels yes. forced. Feels like it's What's there. What's the purpose of Yeah, because... Again, I have one tattoo. It's from Berserk. Berserk is an extremely dark piece of media, but... In fact, it's one of the darkest pieces of media I've ever engaged with, but it never feels like it's being dark for the sake of being dark. It feels like that darkness is organic, serving a purpose, a natural evolution of where the characters are in their story. So, I mean, there are... (laughs) Sorry. There is some elements of it that, if you didn't read it, sound like edgelordy bullshit. For, For example, the main character, Guts, was born from a corpse. I'm, I'm oversimplifying. He was, his mother was pregnant with him when her village was raided by bandits, and then she was hung from a tree, and then he was born from that and found by a different group of bandits. So like, that sounds in context like edge lordy bullshit, but in context it feels like okay, we're we're doing a setting piece for the story. Guts doesn't feel like I mean he never brings that up ever, so it's not like he's obsessed with it. It's just. Oh, this is where he came from. So it feels almost incidental. It doesn't feel like, look at this dark bullshit. Yeah, real adult. Like, you know? Yeah. No, I was about to say, much like a good joke, it's all about the delivery. Yeah, exactly. Because I think 
like we've seen with the boys the tv show they're mining a lot of the ideas from the boys the comic but scraping off all the over the top mean for meanness's sake that was that original comic well honestly i think the best example of that that i know of because i admit i have not read the boys i have no interest in reading the boys no it's a terrible comic don't don't just yeah no. but from what i understand everything they've done with black noir is a massive improvement over what was done with black noir in the comic which involved at one point because in the comic black noir is a clone of homelander kind of and yeah he looks exactly like him and there's a whole bit about him eating babies in order to take pictures of it so that... He well, because can... he wanted it was to fuck with Homelander. And it's like, there's a germ of an idea here, but... But that feels no. like... That feels like that thing I mentioned of like, look at this, look at this darkness. It, 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 it feels oh, yeah. exaggerated and over the top and... No, I frequently use this rule, and Slagathor kind of gives me shit over it, like children's death in horror movies need to serve a purpose other than look we killed a kid aren't we fucked up like i guess but i don't care deaths in horror movies should serve a purpose killing someone just because you can well again uh, i know that i'll stop doing this because you don't have context for this but one of my favorite moments in the golden age or the golden era arc of berserk involves guts is the main character, and he's this mercenary. It's a fantasy setting for anyone who doesn't know. It's basically, you know, think like Game of Thrones kind of stuff, but with more demons. And Guts is just a dude, a mercenary dude, and he gets sent on a mission to infiltrate this castle and, you know, get something from it. And in, and he can't be seen. Like, they can't know that he was there because if he's there, then it implicates his mercenary band and it fucks up the entire plan. So as he's escaping, you know, he's all hooded, he just kills anything that gets in front of him so that they the no, no no witnesses and he comes around a corner he sees a face he stabs it and then and then notices he just stabbed a child like a like a 10-year-old child and it and it stalls him cuz he's not done something like that before so it's horrifying it's dark but it's not like shock value because there's an entire emotional thing going on with yeah, thoughts it's there. Yeah, it's to the story. This character has to reckon with what they just did. Exactly, and it, and he does have to deal with it. So, yeah, no, I think we're not going to wait. Okay, let's get the obvious one out of the way. The DC universe under Snyder was a lot of the darkness for darkness's sake, riffing on you know, well, Frank we- Miller. Yeah, yeah, okay, we've talked about this a number of times, but this really comes down to where Zack Snyder's particular influences were. Zack Snyder is... You can tell that the big things that were influencing him were, A, The Dark Knight Returns, which he said he's a huge fan of, B, Watchmen, which he's also a huge fan of, but I know it's pretentious to say that he doesn't get it, but... Hold on, fun fact about that one. We do have a episode somewhere in development where we're going to address the idea of does Zack Snyder understand Watchmen? Does Watchmen understand Watchmen? I, honestly, I don't think we need to cover that because I think uh, uh, Bob Chipman already covered that pretty well because I love the Watchmen movie. I adore it. I do not think that Zack Snyder... I, I don't know about now. I, I think he's a smart enough guy that now he probably does. But I think that his engagement with Watchmen when he was young and his obsession with it was from a perspective that was definitely not what Alan Moore's was. So. Oh, 100%. But I, I don't know. Well, that's the whole other side thing we'll discuss yeah. from the time. Anyway, those two things and then Randy and objectivism. I, 
I know that sounds like oh philosophy. Come on, this is this is like known shit at this point that he's wanted to direct. What is it, the Fountainhead forever? Yeah, I think. Or the is it Atlas Shrugged that he's after? I think both. I mean, he basically already made one of them in Man of uh, Batman v Superman. He he adapted the loose idea of one of their stories. I I don't remember which one is which. Atlas Shrugged or Fountainhead? They're, which one's the architect? Super architect? I don't know. But that I think is Atlas Shrugged. All right, but the point is that those are Snyder's pretty obvious influences that he was going for he also is someone who said that he does not like superman and having someone who actively does not like superman direct superman is it's a weird choice it infuriates me for a number of reasons but superman is inherently a positive almost campy like creation he is not dark at all now you can put superman in dark situations but he himself is not, and that's kind of important to what's going on with his best stories. So, anyway, big part of the reason why those movies failed. So, anyways, that's that whole one. We're gonna, we talked about that. I want to talk about an example that I feel really, not always threads the needle, but pretty consistently in this one, and that's Game of Thrones, both books and TV series. Because I... there are times I'll be reading those books, and I'm like, okay, George, listen. You didn't need to do this. This is already a terrible, horrible, miserable, dirt-infested world. You didn't need to include this detail. This feels gratuitous. Yeah. So I would say thread the needle is not the right words. I feel like... No, because thread the needle implies they they pulled it off. And sometimes... Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Sometimes they don't. I I feel like Game of Thrones and A Song of Fire of Ice, which I have read and I've watched the whole series, it's more like it, it knows where the line is and then likes to jump on both sides of it. Because I agree with you. There are plenty of times where the darkness, while it is very sad, feels appropriate. The big example It feels grounded. It feels necessary. Yeah. For me, the big example is Oberon Martell. Like, everything about Oberon Martell's death is super tragic, but it doesn't feel out of bounds. It feels like... I was going to say The Red Wedding, because that's the big iconic one of, oh, fuck, they stabbed a pregnant woman to death. Sure. That, too. Because that was also a watershed for a lot of people. A lot of people went, nope, I'm done. I'm out. I'm not enjoying this anymore. I wonder what it says about me that I went right to Oprah and Martel over the Red Wedding then. Maybe it's because I love Pedro Pascal. It's because you love Pedro Pascal. Plus, that's an awesome duel. Yeah, and also it's it's just infuriating that Oprah and Martel basically causes his own death so blatantly. But point is that even though I feel that way, it still feels, you know, correct. On the other hand, in the book... And this stuck out with me. One of the first times I remember reading something and thinking, George didn't need to do this, and I feel very bad about it, is there's like an entire three or four pages of this chapter that just go into detail about the mountain and his men essentially taking over a tavern and then raping the tavern guy's daughter like on the table in front of him and him and forcing him to pay them for the privilege. And, yeah, and is that the same one where he beats the tavern guy, you know, to death, and they describe in gritty detail? I think it his might be teeth flying away as the blood caked his mail, and maybe like, I got I just got, I was so focused on the rape part that I was like, oh, there's a couple like that because I'm going through and I'm finally finishing a Dance of Dragons now because I play I played catch up, but there's so many little things like George, stop it, yeah, this this is unnecessary, 
and it just the words the word yeah the word i used is that george is at sometimes a cruel writer like i don't feel Mm -hmm. like he's just writing what's appropriate for the story i feel like he's being cruel sometimes for cruelness's own sake and it detracts from my reading experience and in the show i would say the same thing is true when it comes to stannis and how stannis's story ends it's like there could have been many ways that Stan's story could have ended with him still not winning, but the particular way they chose to do it felt cruel and not in keeping with Stannis' character up to that point. I don't know. I could go back and forth on that one. My go-to is Jamie's rape of Cersei. On their son's deathbed. That just was like, why are you including this? Yeah, you're correct about what that. What purpose does this serve other than people to go, oh, fuck, what? No, why? That was 100% unnecessary. And that's the big one, I think. I think 99.9% of the time, rape should not be in your story because I bet you don't know how to use it and you probably don't know need you don't need to. This is one of those things that 99.9% of the time this does not make your story better. But if you're like, "Oh, it'll make it grim and serious." No, it won't. It'll just make it age really poorly. Here's what I'll say about that. I feel like framing is extremely important for that. Yes. Because I got an argument once with someone about Berserk because Berserk utilizes rape as a narrative horror thing multiple times throughout its run he was saying that he didn't like that because it fetishized it and i was like no a show like goblin slayer fetishizes it because because where the camera is focuses and basically tells you that what's happening is titillating whereas in berserk every time these events happen the way it is like the camera quote unquote the camera is oriented in big wide shots to show it doesn't like focus in on elements it's it's showing and it's all darkened it's it's horrifying it's meant to be a horrifying thing that is happening and so i admitted to him maybe it utilizes this as a narrative tool too often i would accept that but there's still a difference between using it in a way that properly conveys its horror and using it in a very offensive way like this is what goblin slayer did <laughs> Well, that's the thing I see a lot of times that they do sexual assault in the stories, and it almost feels fetishistic. Yeah, and I hate that's what. I'm, and like, it's like that's my that, no hands off that one because you don't know how to use it. Yeah, exactly. And Game of Same Thrones thing with yeah happen that happens sometimes. <laughs> oh yeah, no, and again, I've studied plenty of history. I've read horrible accounts. I've read stories of people eating their own babies. I know this shit happens in history, but. Does it need to, does this belong in your story or do you just want like this needs to be punched up? I'm gonna throw in some baby eating. Yeah, and that, and that's I've talked many times about how no tool is inherently bad. You know how you use your tool and and but I'd tool. argue the ball plucker is not a good tool, but you do you. <laughs> okay, but my point is that how you use your tool and how well you use it are very so like darkness in general as a concept fits in this perfectly where it's like you if you're just putting in something for shock value you might get that but all you're gonna get is people not really liking what the thing is in the long run if your your darkness your shock has to have some sort of organic cohesion with the overall art that you're delivering yeah, and let's let's answer the question we asked at the top because I feel like it's a very simple question. 
does going dark make for an inherently better story? No, absolutely I answer, not. No, fuck no. Yeah, absolutely That's, not. <laughs> I think it is so much easier to fuck up your story with going grim and dark and miserable than it is poppy optimism. Also, and this is maybe even a bit more controversial, I would say that it it might be easier to get a mediocre, acceptable story by going dark. But to get that same level of recognition with a optimistic, campy story is a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. But the stories that I've been into in the last 10 years that really stick with me, a lot of them a lot of them go that route. Like, oddly enough, I think an interesting example might be Gravity Falls, because Gravity Falls has some dark in it. I mean, there's an eldritch demon that causes someone's face to get rearranged at one point. <laughs> I'm going to rearrange your face holes. But for the most part, it's a show about a pair of twins on a summer vacation with their grandpa, and one of them likes to bedazzle everything, and it's very cutesy and fun, and it never felt patronizing. Actually, there's an important word for me. Overly dark feels patronizing. 100%. I mean, that's why I think if you ask any Spawn fan from the 90s today, if they have read, you know, classic Spawn, they would say no. And if they do, they kind of go back and go, oh, I was into this. I mean, he looks cool, but what? That's also for me a big difference between where Batman works and where Batman doesn't work. Because Batman seems to be stuck. Yeah. And I love... The example I always gave is that when I think of Batman, the Batman that is most in my brain is the animated series Batman. Yep. And that Batman wasn't afraid to smile and laugh and make like jokes with Alfred. He was a person. Yeah, he was a three. He was a character. He had layers. Yeah. Yes, he put on a you know specific facade for his villains and whatnot, but he still felt like a real three dimensional person. And so when I I read. At the behest of a friend of mine, I read uh, Death of the Family, which is the, yeah, I know that one. It's the sequel to Death in the Family. Oh, this is a different one. It's a different one, yeah. It's because uh, Death in the Family is Jason Todd's death. Death of the yeah. Family is where Joker, who's had his face ripped off and he's stapled oh, it back on, that's right. comes Stupid. back and yeah, and tricks all of the Bat Family into thinking that he cut off all their faces. And I have no idea if the story was any good. I just couldn't get over the fact that the whole artistic style, and no offense to the artists, because I'm they're probably very they're very skilled, but the particular aesthetic was so overtly dark and grotesque that I just felt repulsed by the whole thing. And I was like, why would I want to read this? <laughs> oh yeah i know i run into this all the time when talking with people in the horror community and i'm just immediately like oh don't you love that scene where they ripped off the face and ate it like no why do you (laughs) and there are don't want to judge i don't want to judge but my knee-jerk reaction is you are a boring person who has boring tastes and, and that's not to say that there aren't times where gore can be fun. I'm a Halloween Oh, I'm not arguing. All, yeah, but... I fucking love the thing. I love fucking Starship Troopers. But I'm saying when you make that your personality and that is your benchmark for this is a good story because it didn't do – it did stuff they couldn't otherwise do. I'm like, what else you got? Yeah. It's frosting on a cake with no cake. It, exactly. So like anything, it's a tool. you got to use it right. It needs to serve some kind of purpose. I, I generally – 
if I hear about something that is being talked about because of its darkness, that is one of the fastest ways to make me not interested in it, actually. So should we talk about the elephant in the room, then? Which elephant in the room? 40K, the quote-unquote grim dark universe. It's all grim and all dark and all serious all Except the time. it's not. <laughs> it's, it's not. It, 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 when it says best, it splits that difference because it goes, yes, this is a horrible, dark, miserable... It's also silly. Unpleasant way. Capital but it's silly. It. It's like, no, that's that. Everyone misses the joke. Well, it's grim dark. Grim dark is a stupid non-word that is meant to point fun, poke fun at the, this is turtles in the 90s going, you are not supposed to take this seriously. We are making fun of how over the top this is. Yeah. And even the, even when there are moments in 40K's lore that really do get there, they're minor, and they're mostly there to be kind of outliers, well, at least I It's feel. a fun snapback to go, oh yeah, this is happening in this world where everyone fights in bright primary colors. Yeah. Also, the fact that we are so engaged specifically with it, it's an interactive thing, changes... The Example, I run Sisters of Battle. One of the units in my army is called Arcoflagellants. By lore, these are humans who were convicted of some crime, and so they were lobotomized, and then their arms were ripped off and replaced with flails, and then they're pumped full of drug st stims so they can flail off into battle because that's all they're good for. Grimdark. In practice, me and my friends call them simps because they're the men in my all-female army, and they're goofy flailing boys. <laughs> so. Well, there's even that, but like, okay, yes, that is very grim and very dark. Do your... Sisters of Battle also fight in bright primary colors? <laughs> exactly. There that's that's one unit in my army, and then there are other there's all there's a whole other unit in my army called Paragon Warsuits that I think are cool, but people call baby carriers, not nearly as much as Greg Knight Dread Knights, but that's a whole The legs don't make sense. I love them. They do, I've measured it. I've measured it. Their feet are in the knee joints. Just saying. But, okay, that makes a degree more sense. But it's also this over-the-top, like, this is a sci-fi universe with rocket-propelled bullets, and these motherfuckers still have swords. Yeah, and orcs... Big anime swords, sometimes. Yeah, and orcs are a race of monstrous, horrible, you know, slavers that destroy and kill everything that also talk like soccer hooligans and paint everything red because it makes things go faster. And speak and in... Anyway. In Cockney. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's why I go apoplectic every time someone says, well, how are they going to capture the grim, dark aesthetic of Warhammer? Traditional audiences won't. It's not. They, it, they, is they a, can't handle, like, it is stop. a goofy. It's a goofy aesthetic, and I love that. I. It's a big part of why... All right, you know what? Orcs are an easy thing. Let's just look at the poster boy. Space Marines. Big-ass dudes who look like grim and serious in... Very bright neon power armor for the most part. They all call each other brother, and they have bastardized Latin. They're super memeable, ridiculously memeable, all about the heresy. Like, oh, heresy detected, and yeah, I'm bro brother, I'm pinned. Like, it's it's funny, it's dumb. But I think 40k represents that perfect. It has the darkness and like some truly despicable, horrible stuff. Yeah. But it's the icing on the cake that is a funhouse of stupid that's like, don't take this stuff seriously. But also, we don't want you to take it seriously. It it breaks physics at every turn. Even even if we set that aside, though, I feel like the 
grimdark may be the term we use for it, but really, I don't feel like it's actually that accurate to most of the hobby. Most of it, I would use the word epic for. Like, I, yes. the, the novels we read don't feel like grimdark novels as much as they feel like, you know, fantasy epics, sci-fi epics. Like, they have rises and falls. They have different kinds of tones. They, they're telling very varied stories. Even the most grimdark book that I've read so far which was Galaxy in Flames, just because it involved some characters we love going in terrible ways, didn't feel like... Was it was it uh, Saul Tarvitz who got betrayed by Lucius? Yeah. So, yeah, so his ending, I used an example of, like, that's a very grim, dark ending. It doesn't mean that, like, I don't still love that character and had a great time with that character just because his ending was really dark. Like, it, no matter what his ending was, I have good memories of Saul Tarvitz. So... <laughs> so where is this obsession this idea coming from that a dark story is a good story is it just a I think juvenile it, level media a media literacy well actually it okay there's a very complicated answer oh i'm sure i asked a big question on our 30 minute episode yeah i would say that one of the big things about it is that is it's a first of all there's a natural impulse that i think as much as I call it juvenile, I think it is perfectly natural when you hit teenage dumb that, you know, you're at an age where you're old enough to see, like, the adult world, but not old enough yet to really interact with it. So you have a natural impulse to distance yourself from things that tie you to childhood because you're trying to take on the role of adulthood. Whether you in, whether you even realize you're doing this or not, or not, I think a vast majority of humanity goes through this kind of mental set and so since childish things in general are very saccharine and and campy dark is kind of the opposite of that so we go really hard into that that's kind of why it feels juvenile to me because i it's not usually until you get i think into your like early 20s that you start that most people start pulling back on that. And well, realizing... you recognize the balance because I think so much of kids' media is poppy, it's bright, it's reinforcement. So you swing to the other end of the spectrum in your teen years, and then hopefully in your 20s you realize there's a balance of the two. But then what this results in, I think, as far as like actual quote-unquote adults are concerned, is that there's this idea that children's media has these specific aesthetics and ideas and so adult media has to be different from that. Like, I'm not making any statements about who Christopher Nolan is as a person, but if there was something going on in his mind that basically equated to comics are children's playthings and my Batman story needs to be an adult drama story, I again, I'm not saying that's what happened, but I wouldn't be surprised if some version of that happened in his body. Oh, it's 100% there, and we could go on and on and on about batman and this effect i love have you seen the blue beetle trailer yet yeah i love it looks cool have you seen the reaction to the batman's a fascist line which is fuck okay it's fucking hilarious i love it but so many nerds got their panties in a twist how dare he call him a fascist like you are missing the forest for the trees buddy (laughs) what's really funny is that because of the particular social circle i have and my social media connections i did not see any of the backlash against batman as a fascist but i saw tons of people making fun of the people who were i knew it was coming the minute i saw i laughed like oh no you bad mouth batman the batman fans are coming for you now because 
Well, what's funny is I talked to my friend at work who is the biggest Batman fan, and he thought that line was hilarious. And we were like, he literally said, dude, Batman is Warner Brothers' biggest cash cow. They're not going to actually, like, shit on Batman. They can make fun of Batman because he's the biggest cash cow they have. He's the most well-known. Also, so much Batman media has been going, get in the fascist hole. Get in there. Get, get, get. That's who you are. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, they're literally calling it up. Like, the media representation of this character has been trying to force him into the fascist mold. Yeah, so the idea that the Reyes family sees Batman and probably Bruce Wayne as fascists, that's not necessarily political commentary. That's just, yeah, because regular people might see Batman that way. <laughs> Dude shows up to a poor neighborhood and starts punching fools. How else do you see that? Yeah, that trailer was sick. And that animation at the end when he makes it a buster sword was fucking awesome. So, Anyways, getting off topic. Back to the central topic. No, going dark does not make for good. Going light doesn't make for good. Yeah, both of them can help you heavily. In fact, I personally find that a lot of my favorite stories find interesting ways to mix them. Like, one of my favorite... Well, I mentioned Gravity Falls earlier. Steven Universe does the same thing. So a lot of the kids' cartoons that are made by competent writers and whatnot will do this because they're basically kind of sneaking in darker storylines to kids' stories. But even then, they never feel like they're going into over-the-top kind of zone, you know? (laughs) No, a good story should be accessible to almost all ages. Like, you may have to sand down some edges, but the basic through line should work across your board. By the way, sidebar, this is also why for me, and we can disagree over the amount, and I know you and I do disagree over the amount of this, but that's also why I think that any movie benefits from having some humor in it. Like, I don't care how dark your movie is, you can put some humor in it, because it's part of, like, the kind of experience of uh, a narrative. Oh, that's its own stupid internet thing of, a movie is bad if they crack a joke. And it's like, no, much like I said at the top, Timing and presentation. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we can easily go into a whole other set of discussions here, but this is supposed to be a buckler, and we're already past the 30-minute mark. So, any concluding thoughts, Ulrich? I got nothing. All right. If you like this and you're interested in hearing us talk more about this or related topics, because this is basically just film, criticism, literary, literacy kind of stuff, and I, I love chatting with this kind of bullshit, let us know. Anyway, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all those things that, as a content creator, I have to ask you to do. It makes me feel cringy every time, but it does actually impact how like, how big our podcast gets and whatnot. When you share it and it goes to other people, that really does contribute. You've had multiple people recently jump into our Discord, new names I didn't recognize. That's a big deal. So, you know, share it and it grows. And you can find us wherever podcasts are hosted. As always, this has been Axel Wright. And it's your brother, Lord Commander Ulrich. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.